pull out your note outline how timely that we're talking about the Holy Spirit last week and this week. <clears throat> Just three simple thoughts this morning that I'd like to have us consider regarding the Holy Spirit. The first one is the issue of possession. I think it's important for us to know if you are a Christian, when I became a Christian, July 26, 1971, uh, when I was born again, when I was converted, when I invited Jesus into my heart, when uh, I was saved, when I trusted that Christ died for my sins and personally asked him to be my Savior and Lord, at that moment, the Holy Spirit took up residence in my heart. And if you've made that decision, at that moment, the Holy Spirit moved in. Look at the scripture uh, verses I've printed there for you. The Apostle Paul makes it very plain, Romans 8, 9. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. Now, the converse of that statement is also true. If you do belong to Christ, you have the Spirit of Christ. So if you're a believer this morning, if you've made that decision, you have the Holy Spirit. Paul reemphasizes it in 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Do you not know that your body is a what? Temple, which has all kinds of implications, uh, a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Look at the pronoun, who, not what, the Holy Spirit's a person, who is in you. The pronoun changes to the objective form, whom you have received from God. And so clearly there's people who say, I, I, just, I just need the Holy Spirit. I, I just want to have the Holy Spirit. Well, if you're a believer, you've, you've got the Holy Spirit. However, if we could look at the next screen, there's a difference between the Holy Spirit being resident and the Holy Spirit being president. There's a difference between the, the Holy Spirit being in the car with you and the Holy Spirit driving the car. There's a difference between the Holy Spirit flying in the airplane and the Holy Spirit being in the cockpit, so to speak. And so that brings us to the second issue, and that's the issue of presentation. This is big. This is key. All believers must present themselves to God for his purpose. This is something that Judy and I... Uh, and, and I think this, this happens again and again and again. Now, my conversion was a one-time experience, but my presenting myself to the Lord needs to be an ongoing experience. It's, I, I, I need to keep doing that. I mean, when Judy and I were married on her birthday, May 25th, 1975 was when we got married, I, I made a covenant with her, I will love you, I am committing myself to you. Well, that happened on our wedding day. Now, I need to continue to make that covenant and that promise to her. I am so glad I married you. You're the girl of my dreams. I'm committed to you. Let's continue to grow old together, and that's happening. See, I, it's an ongoing experience. 
We see this in the life of Jesus. Now watch carefully. This one kind of sneaked up on me. Jesus had the Holy Spirit, obviously, living in him. He was God. He is God. He's a spirit-filled man. But look in this passage I printed here for you from Luke 3. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. Here's my question. What's going on? What's happening in this passage? Did Jesus already have the Holy Spirit? Answer, yes. So explain to me then what was happening when Jesus baptized, and had you been there, you would have seen it would have looked like a bird flying down and lighting on his shoulder, representing the Holy Spirit coming upon What does that mean? If he already had the Holy Spirit, what's this thing about? Well, I think the answer to that is what was taking place. Yes, Jesus had the Holy Spirit, but this was a moment of presentation. This was a moment where Jesus says, yes, Father, I have, I have your spirit within me. However, I am asking you and your spirit to take me, control me, use me here as I embark upon the ministry you've called me to. And you see, that that's what Judy and I have been doing these last few weeks. Lord, yes, your, your spirit lives within us, but now we're asking as, a, as an act of presentation, take my life and let it be. All for you, all for thee. We want to serve you, Lord. And so this moment of presentation, and there's a pattern that I think comes out of this, that when you do that, and this this, and we'll talk about this more in a moment, this needs to be repeated. This needs to be an ongoing commitment. When you do that, remarkable things will occur. Jesus gets baptized in Luke 3. The very next action, I've printed it there for you, is Luke 4.1. What's it say? Jesus, well, what's the next word? Full. And in the original language, the word full does, has nothing to do with capacity. It has to do with control. Anytime you see the word full or filled, it doesn't have to do with the amount of capacity. It has to do with control. For example, in the Bible, they'll say, and the Pharisees, filled with anger, tried to grab him and, and push him off the cliff. They were filled with anger. What's that mean? Anger controlled them. Anger controlled them. And the disciples, filled with joy, went out and began witnessing. Joy controlled them. It's interesting. Remember in Luke 5, when they were out fishing and they caught nothing all night long, and Jesus says, throw your nets over for a catch. Remember that? And Peter said, Lord, we've, we've fished all night and caught nothing. However, at your word, at your word, I will do it. And so he throws the net over, and what happens? this huge catch of fish, and they begin pulling it in. And now watch this. As they're pulling it in, Luke tells us, and the fish 
filled the boat so that it began to sink. It's not only talking about capacity there, but what was controlling the boat. The fish were. That, listen, that which fills you controls you. Filled with anger, filled with bitterness, that which fills you controls you. Back to the passage. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, in other words, went back to where he was, and was, what's the next phrase? Now, isn't that interesting? Apparently, when you do this act of presentation and are filled with the Spirit, so to speak, and controlled by the Spirit, He will lead you. Judy and I have been praying, Lord, what do you want us to do in this situation? What is your will? And the Lord says, you know what? If you present yourself to my spirit, I have promised that I will lead you. And, I, and we believe, and Pastor Earl and I have talked, we believe that God's leading us. Presentation has to happen first, though. Don't expect God to lead you if you do not present yourself to him regularly. Incidentally, in Luke 4, it says he was led by the Spirit where? Into the desert. What's going to happen there? Temptations. Remember? The temptations. Isn't it interesting? Again, you may want to jot this in your margin. When I do the presentation of myself to the Holy Spirit, the Lord will lead me, and he will give me victory over temptation. There are some of us today who are saying, man, I'm struggling with bitterness. I'm struggling with unforgiveness. I'm struggling with anger. I'm struggling with lust. I'm struggling with deceit. I'm struggling with worry. Those are all temptations we have. I just can't turn the corner on this thing. How do I have victory over temptation? How did Jesus have victory over temptation? Well, the first step was this guy right here. See? I've got to ask myself, am I doing this presentation? Now, having said that, um, Amy, would you uh, backtrack just one slide, please? I want you to notice Acts 10.38 says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power... You see, when I do this presentation deal, somehow the power of God becomes very real in my life, and he went around what? Doing good. Evidently, the secret to being obedient and doing good is the front half of that verse. If I'm not engaged in this, well, I'm going to be a train wreck. And I'm not, going to do, I'm, not going to do, I'm not going to do good in my marriage. I'm not going to do good in my relationships. I'm not, going to be, I'm not going to do well with my thought life. The reason Jesus went around doing good was because he had done this presentation issue. And I think he continued to do it. Now, I want you to look at Romans 12.1. Uh, uh, 
Hold on just a second, Amy. Romans 12, 1, it's printed there. Classic verse, the Apostle Paul, therefore, I urge you, brothers, because God's a merciful God, to, what's the verb? Offer, circle the verb. Circle the verb, offer your what? It has to do with your body. My body includes my eyes, what I look at, my brain, what I think about, my hands, what I do, my feet, where I go. To offer your bodies as, what's the next phrase? Living sacrifice. That's a curious phrase. A living sacrifice. Holy, pleasing to God, that is your spiritual act of worship. Now, that, that verb offer you circled, the tense of the verb in the Greek language is an ongoing action. I need to continue to do that. Certainly, it's a one-time act, but it's also an act I need to repeat. Let me give you an example in real life, in English. This morning, I brushed my teeth. One-time action, point in time, I brushed my teeth. I never have to brush my teeth ever again. No, 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 that's not true. How often do I need to brush my teeth? Whenever it's needed, I'll brush my teeth then tonight before I go to bed. I'll brush my teeth again tomorrow morning. You see, it's not only a point-in-time action, a finished point-in-time act. It's also something that's an ongoing act that I continue. That's, that is the sense of this verb. You need to do it, point-in-time action, but you need to do it ongoingly. You need to continue to offer your body, my bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, A living sacrifice, listen carefully, this is intriguing to me. Why does Paul say a living sacrifice? By the way, the sacrifices in the Old Testament were not living sacrifices. Think about this. What were they? Dead sacrifices. What's the difference between a living sacrifice and a dead sacrifice? Living sacrifices have a tendency to crawl off the altar. That's why I need to continue to make the decision. In the Old Testament, God says, I want you to give me a a sacrifice. As a living sacrifice, he says, I want you to give me you. In the book of Proverbs, it says, My son, give me your heart. That's just a great verse. Give me your heart, my son. And so what I need to do, and by the way, I'm still in process on this deal too. What I need to do, I need to ongoingly say to the Lord, for example, this morning, Lord, today, I give you my attitude, I give you my mouth, I give you my mind, my thoughts. Lord, take control of my actions. 
the words that I use towards Judy, towards other people. Lord, I'm going to present these things to you. Now, how often do I pray that prayer? Convicting, isn't it? I need to continue to present my eyes, my mouth, my tongue as a living sacrifice ongoingly. Now, in the Old Testament, the central act, watch this, the central act in the Old Testament in the, was the ceremony that God came up with this idea of animal sacrifices. Now, Amy, here we go. You can see the horned altar. See on the corner those horns? The horned altar, and what they did, they killed the sacrifice, the, the, the cattle or, or whatever it was, goat, sheep. They killed it, put it up there. Pastor Earl talked about this a number of months ago. And they sacrificed it. Next slide. Down here at the bottom, you can see this is, they, they killed it, so now it's dead, and they put it up on the altar. Most people believe, and tell me if this isn't what you thought, when they did that, that's, the reason they did that is that sacrifice was for their sin and was taking away their sin. That's why God had them do that. Not quite. Next screen. I want you to get your arms around this stuff. The Old Testament sacrifice was not to be offered instead of one's own life. Instead, it was to be offered as a symbol of the offering of one's life. Now, this is an important dis distinction. Don't miss this. For years, I thought the reason they did this because God said, because you're sinners, something needs to be killed, so throw something up on the altar, kill it, I want to see blood, and that will take your place. I thought that's why they did it. It's not why they did it. God said, yes, they're neat. without the, the shedding of blood, there is no atonement for sin. There was an atonement issue. But it was to be a representation of them giving their own lives. That is huge. The sacrifice itself was not the issue. It was their own hearts. Jews didn't understand this. Therefore, God says, look at these verses I've put here. And these always used to confuse me. Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? Well, apparently, no, he doesn't. As much as obeying the voice of the Lord. To obey is better than sacrifice. Look at the next verse. David says, famous Bathsheba prayer, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. David said, that's not the issue. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifice God's looking for, David says, is a broken spirit, a broken and sorrowful or contrite heart. Next passage. 
God says, the multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me? I have more than enough of burnt offerings of rams and fat of fattened animals, and I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. My response would have been, yeah, but God, I thought you did. I mean, that's what you're asking us to do. No, 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 you're missing the point, God says. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. The primary issue was not the sacrifice of the animal. The primary issue was the animal is to represent my humbled heart before the Lord. So, when we get ready to take communion in a few minutes, the issue has nothing to do with, oh, I need to swallow this juice and swallow the bread, and I'm good to go. This becomes representative of not only what Jesus has done, but what God wants me to do. I'm giving my life to you. When I put the offering, as we did a few minutes ago, Judy hands me our envelope, we put our offering in the offering plate, God doesn't need my money. He asked me to do that, but he goes, by the way, when you're doing that, that is representative of you teaching at Niles. Everything that you do to earn money, you're saying, Lord, I, have, I am doing this and I've done this for you. I'm, I'm doing this as a representation of giving, giving myself to you. That's the issue, see? And if I'm not careful, that thing's going to get sideways. It's going to get goofy on me because pretty soon I start taking communion or singing songs or coming to church or throwing something in the offering plate thinking, I'm good. And that's not the idea at all, see? It is to be a representation of what the Lord wants me to do. And one final thought. As we look at the life of Jesus, we simply, we don't see the Spirit coming upon him, and then God says, you know what, just let go and let me work in your life. And interestingly enough, we see the Lord Jesus involved in a number of practices. And I think that becomes this third issue. If I am, if I am to be under the control, filled with the Holy Spirit, I need to realize as a believer the Spirit lives in me. However, I need to do this act of presentation ongoingly. And what else should I do? This guy right here. I need to engage in spiritual disciplines in order to stay in fellowship with and be empowered by the whole. I need to have devotions. I need to read my Bible. I need, to, I need to, to, to meditate on Scripture. I need to be inv involved in fasting. I need to be, we're in a small group Bible study. I've got people in my life that will confront me. And by the way, Judy and I both know we were confronted hard in our small group, weren't we? Just a few weeks ago. Kind of hurt my feelings. In fact, I told my accountability partner, that was hard. When you guys said that to us, that was hard. Do I have people in my life that can speak truth to me? Do I give them permission? That all has to do with spiritual practices. 
am I involved in systematic prayer? Judy and I make it up as the spiritual head of the home. I've got a responsibility to initiate prayer with her nearly every single night when we crawl in bed. I put my arm around her and I pray. Now Judy turns and starts snoring. <laughs> it's a, I have this responsibility. Judy's not the spiritual head of my home, I am. And so as the spiritual head of my home, as her husband, I need to take the initiative. We just don't pray over meals. We do that. But I say, you know what? I've got this responsibility to pray with my wife. To step up. And to be consistent. To read the Word. To study the Word. To be involved in, with people, relationships with people, so they are close enough to be able to turn the pages of my life and say, you know what? I'm starting to sense an attitude over here. It's not right. Do you have people like that? Next steps for all of us. Step number one, if I'm a believer, I need to thank the Lord that his spirit lives in me. Step number two, I need to present myself to the spirit of God day by day. I need to present myself to Spirit day by day, asking Him to use me for His purposes. And finally, I need to maintain spiritual disciplines. And Pastor Earl, Pastor Andrew, they can help you with that. I don't know what to do during my devotion. We can help you with that. I don't pray very well. I don't pray very well either. I'll tell you what, but I'm hopefully I'm growing. And there's people who can help me with that as we do that. I can not only overcome temptation, but the Spirit of God will lead me just as he led Jesus. Amen? I'm going to ask you to bow your head with me. We're going to pray, and we're going to walk through some of these steps this morning, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that even right now. Let's bow our heads. I'm going to uh, pray a phrase, and then I want you in your mind silently to pray a phrase similar to that. Lord, I want to thank you that your Holy Spirit lives within me. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would nudge me and whisper to me through my conscience. Lord, right here and now, I offer to you my body. Lord, take my mind, my thoughts, take my imaginations. Lord, I present to you my hands and my feet, my tongue. I give you my attitude. And Lord, I pray that you would fill and control me by your Spirit.
so that I might be led by your spirit. So that I might overcome temptation. I can't do this on my own, Lord. I've tried. So that I might go around doing good. Doing good towards my spouse, my kids, my parents. Help me, Lord, to re-engage in spiritual disciplines. And remind me of these truths in the week ahead. And all of God's people said, Amen. So be it. Amen.